Welcome to the Not Your Typical Agent podcast, helping guide you through all things real estate. My name is Jay Crotchy. I am a licensed real estate broker in the state of Illinois. Let's get started. Hey everyone, on today's episode, we're going to discuss some of the best ways that I found sellers handle same day closings, double closings when you're buying and selling a property the same day. So we're going to talk about some tips, what seems to work the best for people and give some options to help make uh, buying and selling real estate easier for you. So stay tuned. So an often uh, big part of stress that you have when you're representing somebody who's selling a property, perhaps they're downsizing, perhaps they're upgrading a bigger home, perhaps they're relocating is to figure out the best possible way to handle um, a sale of their property as well as a purchase of a new property. So a lot of it breaks down logistics, right? Because what will usually have, what will generally happen, of course, everybody's financial circumstances, situations are different, so it's not always the case. Um, what will generally happen is the person that is doing the, selling a property will usually use those proceeds to purchase their new home. So they have to sell their property before they can close on the new property. A lot of times what we'll do and the most typical way to do it is to have it scheduled where you'll close in the morning and then you'll have um, the closing on your new property where you can take the check from one title company to the other or have whatever wired funds and stuff like that um, will then be in the afternoon. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes the, 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 you know, there might be an excess. They might have savings. They might not be pursuing a mortgage. They may have the money where they're not in a situation where they're using the proceeds to purchase their home. But uh, we're going to discuss the most common uh, and the most um, uh, typical kind of things that we will usually see. So this is generally how it's done. So the big stress that I'll often have with sellers is how are we going to do this logistically? Because generally what will happen if we're doing a morning closing is the walkthrough will be the night before or the morning of. So you gotta make sure the house is cleared out because one of the biggest reasons you do a walkthrough is to make sure everything's functioning, nothing was damaged during the move, they didn't leave a bunch of property in the home. So all this kind of stuff um, you know, from, uh, could be a logistic nightmare. What we have been seeing is the buyers on sellers properties in the first half of this year have been extremely accommodating to sellers obviously a lot of what we're generally been happening is it's been a competitive situation the sellers hold all their cards you know if you're competing against 5 10 15 20 other buyers you as a buyer may agree to things specifically uh, that you normally wouldn't in order to make your offer more appealing so what i've seen a lot of recently is people list their house for sale before they even found anything else. Uh, they'll require a lease back option. So they'll close on the property, let's just say, you know, 30 days from the time of offer, they'll close on that property, and then they'll pay the buyer um, to lease back the property for the next 60 days uh, until they find a property or until they can close on another property. Um, you know, you take a risk as a seller, uh, but you are capitalizing on a hot market with the lack of inventory. We never know when that's going to change, where new inventory is going to hit the market, where it's going to kind of settle things down. We're kind of already seeing a little bit of that right now with the rise of interest rates. Um, I'll tell you right now that the second half of May is, um, you know, you're not seeing, you're still seeing the multiple offers if the house is priced correctly. But as with anything, you'll get people that'll get in at a time and they'll think that it's just going to continue to go up. They'll price aggressively. So what we're seeing currently is a lot more price decreases because people were 
kind of asking for the world, thinking that, you know, we're going to constantly see the 30, 40, uh, uh, sometimes 50%, um, you know, annual appreciation, which numbers are crazy when we're, we're only seeing, you know, right now it's, it's probably settled down more to the, the 5, 10, 15% annual appreciation, which it should settle down between, uh, in my opinion, it should settle between the 3 to 6% by year's end. Um, so, you know, you've had a case for the last, you know, previous few months here where, you know, buyers have been accommodating where they've agreed to this in order to enter into the contract where, um, you know, it'll give the seller flexibility where they're able to use those funds to purchase on a new property. Because a lot of times you're having um, sellers, they won't accept home sale contingencies or home close contingencies, which if you're a seller and you need to sell your property um, and it's a competitive situation, you're competing against somebody that doesn't have a home close or home sale contingency, it's going to make your offer less appealing to them in a lot of cases, even if you're more expensive. Um, so that has been one of the ways that I've seen a lot of sellers um, as far as being able to accommodate themselves. Um, obviously, they'd be taking a risk if they didn't have a place to go. You know, They might need to rent for a few months or they might need to rent, do a short-term rental or move in with family or something like that if they can. So... Um, that's been the most common way I've seen recently. There are other ways you can do it, let's just say um, more traditional ways as the market starts to settle down. The most common way is would be to, um, or this would, again, you'd have to have the, make sure that you're on, you agree to this before you enter the purchase agreement so you're not throwing it out there and then letting the attorneys work through it. When you let the attorneys work through it, they'll generally, um, because of liability, they'll, usually be a little bit more um, you know, sensitive to that type of arrangement where you as a seller can do a one-day lease back as opposed to you know, a 30-day or 60-day lease back, which means you, know, you close on the property, let's just say on a Tuesday, um, you'll lease back for that entire day Tuesday, possibly into the next day Wednesday, where you'll pay at closing a specific amount for that day in order so that you can facilitate the move. So you can close, and then you can get all your stuff in the truck and all that kind of stuff. And then you'll do the walkthrough. What will generally attorneys will usually build into an agreement is something called like a holdback where they'll hold back um, some of the proceeds, um, five, 10, 15, $20,000 to make sure nothing is damaged. Um, you would also be required uh, to show proof of insurance on the property. So you can't cancel your insurance on that Tuesday. You'd have to hold your insurance through that Tuesday and Wednesday to make sure that you know, you didn't, you didn't do anything god awful, like set the house on fire or anything like that, because now that is the property of the buyer. So you'll see that a lot of times. Again, it's something you want to kind of discuss up front when it gets to the attorney review period and the attorneys um, are, are discussing it. Like I mentioned, there is a liability, like the fire incident or something like that, um, where it could create a potential headache. Um, and from a legal standpoint, you got to make sure that addendums are signed and everything's agreed to in writing to make sure that uh, you are protected as both a buyer and a seller because it's a risk for both parties. Again, I think what we see a lot of times is, um, you know, as a buyer in a competitive situation, you're going to do anything you can possibly. Um, you know, you can only raise your price so much in order to make your offer more appealing to the needs of the seller. So you'll see a lot of times where buyers will agree to things that they normally wouldn't agree or they wouldn't be advised to based on their agent or attorney um, that could put them kind of in that legal um, area where it could create some complications. So if you are unable to successfully agree to a lease back, the other most common way people handle this 
would be to um, have a situa something set up with the moving company. They have like a hold fee. So what they'll do is try to schedule an appointment for the latest possible time on that Monday if you're closing on a Tuesday. They'll try to schedule the latest possible time that they have where they'll then leave everything on the truck and once you close the morning of Tuesday or that afternoon of Tuesday, then they'll schedule where that truck will then be brought to your home, your new home, and then you're able to unload your uh, possessions. This will give you adequate time because the house, you know, to do cleaning on that Monday night. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll give you time where then you're able to then perform the walkthrough uh, with the buyers on that Tuesday morning. So uh, usually a little more expensive this route, you're gonna usually have to pay additional fees and make sure that the moving company will do that. Um, you know, it's something that if you can avoid doing that, you know, by all means, but sometimes your options are limited, especially when you're, you need to use those funds from the sale in order to fulfill the needs of your purchase. So this is kind of the, the most common thing that we'll usually see is to, um, another option too, again, if you don't have as much uh, possessions or even if you do have a lot of possessions it's a little bit more frustrating to do this is you can do a pod kind of system where you'll see the pods in front of people's houses where you can get all your big stuff in there um, and then perhaps you could rent a truck for 24 to 48 hours and then have that just held at the new property or you can do and then have the pod delivered or um, you can even if you're not planning on moving for 30 days or 60 months or 60 days something like that then you're able to then possibly do like a short-term storage unit where you'll have your movers move everything to storage kind of sucks because then you got to move everything from storage into the new house but it's definitely an option that you can use if you're kind of put into a situation where you're you know the attorneys are kind of at a deadlock they won't agree to um, uh, a closing possess or possession before closing early that kind of thing Keep in mind, all this stuff gets really complicated, especially when you have, um, a lot of times you'll have, is the buyers that are purchasing your home will also be selling their property. So you'll have those two closings that you're trying to work around, and then the sale of your property as a seller, and then the purchase of a new property. So you're dealing with potentially four different closings. Um, you know, Hopefully in that case, you're dealing with just two agents that are handling both so that the agents can work together. And hopefully you're dealing at least with two attorneys as opposed to multiple attorneys. It gets a little more complicated if you're moving out of state, but usually when you're moving out of state, you have a little more flexibility in, from a timeline where you're already paying movers for multiple days anyway. So you're already in that uh, kind of higher end uh, ballpark from uh, moving estimates. So it's all things you just want to discuss. It's something to take into consideration when you do receive multiple offers to kind of feel out which buyer is going to be uh, the most accommodating to you. I know when I'm representing a buyer and it's we're kind of tight on price, the one thing that I like to do is have a conversation with the listing broker to find out what's the most important thing to the seller. What's their current situation? Not a lot of times they'll tell you, you know, they won't. If you have a conversation with them long enough, you can usually get enough out of them to figure out. Um, you know where you need to be to make your offer more appealing uh, without necessarily uh, jeopardizing or um, increasing the price of the offer as we start to see the market start to cool down a little bit with the rise of interest rates and a little bit less competition on the market I mean still inventories are crazy low I know in my area I looked they went from 1.4 months last uh, from April to May to 1.2 months of inventory so we're almost below one month full of inventory like I said with interest rates rising you know, the fear of a recession coming up, you know, this should start to creep up a little bit. You should have a little bit less 
competitive situations, but as of right now, headed into the summer, um, so all hands on deck. If, if you find a property you want, you have to be accommodating to the seller, um, especially if the property is hot, it's been on the market for a short period of time, and it's in a desirable location. As I always state, I'm not an attorney. This is just what I see um, handling transactions and working a lot of times with both um, you know, people that are buying and selling at the same time and having double closings. Um, those are, are great for real estate agents because uh, you get two deals out of it instead of one, uh, but they do come with a little more complications and stuff like that. But um, it's something I love to do, um, especially if it's somebody, uh, most recently, the ones that we've been dealing with more this year than anything is people that are downsizing, that they're selling a home that they've lived in, they raised their family in, that they've had for 20, 30 years. So it's an emotional experience. And one of the things that uh, it's rewarding is to be able to kind of walk them through that process and then ultra rewarding to find them a new home that they can grow into. So needless to say, it can be done. It's done all the time. Uh, I know it may seem at times like it's overwhelming. Uh, utilize your real estate agent for advice. Um, hopefully, you know, if they've done these in the past so that they can kind of walk you through and give you uh, tips that have worked well with other people. And not everything's gonna work well for you. You may need to uh, think outside the box. And that's one thing that, um, you know, you wanna have a good real estate agent, you wanna have a good attorney that has your back and be able to give you the best advice possible to help facilitate the move and to make sure that you um, are closing and uh, everything's gonna go smoothly because just getting under contract is one thing, getting to the closing table uh, without um, issues is another and you got to make sure somebody's gonna be working with you for you throughout the entire process so if you're in that situation best of luck I'm always available uh, to, for guidance so feel free to reach out if you have any questions and as always thanks for listening Thank you for listening and supporting the Not Your Typical Agent podcast. If you or someone you know is in need of a real estate agent, I can help. I am a broker with HomeSmart Connect based out of Arlington Heights. We have several locations throughout the Chicagoland area, and I'm happy to help make real estate easier for you.